This episode of the Backside Ground Balls podcast is presented by The Performance Academy. For all of your athletic training needs, train with purpose at The Performance Academy. TPA houses a number of training resources from private baseball and softball instruction to team sports performance classes. Utilize advanced technologies like output sports, hit tracks, and TrackMan to take your game to the next level. On top of our elite staff and advanced technological capabilities, be a part of the TPA family and take advantage of the many resources our facility has to offer. Want to go to a game? How about a concert? How about going to see classical music? Whatever you're into, there's only one place to get your tickets. Thankfully, we are partnered with SeatGeek, the essential resource for live events. For any of your ticket needs, make sure you go over to SeatGeek.com and use the code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. For all of your clothing needs, athleisure, the sickest baseball gear you can get. We're talking hoodies, shorts, sweatpants, sunglasses, hats, any baseball style you can imagine. Routine Baseball has it, and we are now partnered with them. All you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. It's routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have you will receive 10 percent off your order today one more time routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10 percent off your order today what's up everybody welcome back to the backside ground balls podcast where we are coming to you in person on the campus of university delaware in newark delaware We have a full day jam-packed with a facility tour, but first, we're lucky enough to be joined by recruiting coordinator Brian Torresani. Uh, Brian Torresani is entering his first season here at the University of Delaware with the Fighting Blue Hens, previously at Arcadia University. Coach Torresani, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Trevor, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Again? Again, yes. I mean, for... For our listeners that have been around for a while, um, they know uh, that this is our third time on a recorded platform sitting down and talking. We also had one where we did a nice little Google Meet for uh, TPA families and gave them some information about the recruiting process. So my first question for you is, we sat down over Zoom 2021 summer. Did you ever envision that we'd be sitting in the locker room here in Newark, (laughs) Delaware, talking with microphones and cameras in front of you when that day went down? Life comes at you fast, I guess, from our first meeting to uh, to now, but um, both doing some cool things and, and uh, have moved on to, to bigger and better, I guess. So Definitely, definitely. And I know everybody who uh, has followed you and your career is super fired up for you to be here. So kind of go into, you know, what made this transition. Obviously, Arcadia, you know, I think I know probably just as well as anybody was a great situation for you, great situation for your family. Dad was on staff for years right around the corner from where you grew up. You know, what kind of made this situation at Delaware so appealing to you that made it worth the, you know, change of scenery and and adjustment in life, uh, quite frankly, for you to to join on staff here? Yeah, definitely. There's a a lot of ways I guess I could go with that answer, but, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of it today here in a little bit. And, and, uh, in terms of the investment that the university of Delaware has made in athletics and is, uh, is making in the baseball program, you know, facilities wise and, and obviously, uh, moving up in conferences and, and things like that. And, and, uh, so that, that certainly made it appealing the university itself being, you know, 
so well recognized and attractive for players and and really any student to come and, and get their college education you know was a big piece of it it's a name brand uh, type of institution um you know i i had known coach mamula for the better part of the last 15 16 years or so you know from when he was at westchester and i was getting my start and so i followed his career through through the last little while and and we've stayed somewhat in touch and and we're able to reconnect when he got back in the area a couple couple summers ago um, which was which was great and and so you know once once i started to go through the process you know last summer with him and hearing about his vision for the program and and the places that he wants to take delaware baseball um, honestly, it was uh, kind of an easy decision at that point. As much as I love Arcadia and the things we did there, and and the the people there, especially, I think for my own personal growth, development, and uh, and career, that this was a no brainer for me. And I'm and I'm happy I did it after being here for a few months. Yeah, of course. And and obviously, it's definitely been a transition. Um, I think that we have talked about that a little bit. Um, so what's kind of we'll we'll stay more on the positive side of transitioning and more to an assistant coach role after a fall. Obviously, your responsibilities have changed. Less talking about academic uh, academics and more talking about ball. Obviously, uh, spending more time on the field with guys and being able to be that resource for them. What's been some of the positives that you've really liked in your transition from being a head coach to being an assistant guy now being able to focus on on some different parts of the game. Yeah, definitely. It's been, uh, it definitely is an adjustment. I was a head coach for 11 years, so you kind of get set in your ways a little bit. And, uh, and that's been one of the things that's been a positive for me is being here and being able to learn from, from Mams and from Coach Kalina and from Coach Ludman and working with different people. I'm, I'm somebody that, you know, I appreciate trying to learn and get better and grow. And, and uh, you know, I didn't even realize, I think, at the time that, that I was getting a little bit stale, I think, at Arcadia, not even intentionally, nothing you know, crazy outside the ordinary, just, um, some, with some things I learned here and saw here that have really opened my eyes to some new ways to do things different ways. So that part's been great. Um, yeah, being able to get in the weeds a little bit more on the field. I mean, it's a bad excuse to say you don't have time for things, but as a head coach, you have to prioritize, um, you know, and, and some things for me fell a little further down the, the priority list in terms of, um, some of the on the field stuff. And I'm glad to be back doing some of those things. I, I got to work really hands on with the catchers this fall, which I haven't done in a while. And I really love that, um, that part of the game and working with those guys. And we had a great fall together and helping Mams with the hitting was, was really eye opening too. So I'm just glad to be on the field a little bit more, um, you know, with the players on a daily basis and, and getting my hands dirty. Yeah, so I'm curious a lot about, um, obviously, roles and responsibilities. You mentioned a couple things there, and I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about the catching experience because, you know, at Arcadia, you didn't work with the catchers, but it wasn't definitely wasn't the focal point of what you spent during your day. But we'll start on the hitting side, and obviously Coach Mams has a ton of experience working with professional hitters now um, across Major League Baseball. You know, what are kind of some of the things that have challenged you to, you know, learn and maybe change the way you might, coach right and handle those situations and handle practice and how you kind of build your offensive philosophy what is kind of the things that coach Mams has kind of influenced you in in certain ways yeah definitely I mean I think baseball especially is such an environmentally driven game right so like that everywhere you play the environment's different it's not like basketball where the court's 94 feet the rim's 10 feet off the ground the foul line's 15 feet from the rim like it's indoors it's indoors with cold weather exactly you know you play at Arcadia at Skip Wilson Field. Uh-huh. It, the wind's blowing in constantly. It's a big yard. It's hard to hit the ball out of the yard. You come to Delaware. The wind's usually blowing out to right. Um, it's a reachable yard. We have a different level of athlete here, generally a bigger, stronger guy that, that can hit 
that hit for more power. And so the shift from being more of a sort of lower sites, line drive, manufacture runs, um, you know, be able to threaten maybe with some doubles and gappers to, no, we want to leave the yard and we want to do that on a consistent basis. And, and I think the biggest thing I learned this fall from MAMS is like, there's a way to challenge hitters and make batting practice enjoyable and fun yeah. um, and not just home run derby. Cause I think that's <laughs> counterproductive and can yep. lead to swings and misses and strikeouts, you know, where, Yes, we talk about hitting for doubles and home runs, but he also does a really good job of laying out how to do that, how to do it the right way, and he makes it fun. And the, and the one example I'll give you is I remember my first time throwing BP um, in one of our skill groups in the fall, and uh, one of our rules is is we want our guys to watch balls go over the fence. Like We okay. think that's like yeah. a, you know. It feels good. It feels good. Yeah, it looks good. Too. We yep. want guys to have that feeling. And, of course, as, a, as a, somebody that's thrown BP their whole life and just you kind of throw and yeah. guy hits one good and you throw – and I mams multiple times in the background, like, hey, coach, let him watch it. Hey, coach, let him yeah. watch it. And, like, that was kind of a change for me in, in yeah. terms of just, uh, you know, it wasn't something we had really ever done in the past. So um, I enjoy that piece of it. I think the philosophy fits our personnel. It fits our ballpark. Yeah. And and, uh, and it proved itself out last year. They yeah. averaged over seven runs a game and did some really good things offensively. Well, and I think the coolest thing, and, and you can probably speak on more detail, and this is probably something that we haven't spoken of, is – what worked at Arcadia to a certain extent probably works here as well in the fact of sometimes thinking oppo gap is what allows you to pull a baseball and not hook it fair, especially when we have a crosswind blowing out to right. Like you can't have any side spin that's going to hook it around the pole. We want that thing to stay fair and, and hold it. And sometimes guys, especially as guys think about hitting the ball in the air more, sometimes you have to recalibrate that guy to miss on top. And that's what, again, the example was, you know, when we were in regionals against Oswego, for whatever reason, Memorial Day weekend, Skip Wilson went starts blowing out it's warm ball NCA balls have a little bit more juice than the diamonds that we were using and you know you get there and we're facing a guy with a little high spin heater you know we start talking about missing on top a guy leaves the yard right so all those things that might be the foundation of what works of like kind of lowering your sights can pay off for teams that hit for power is that something that you've kind of realized that as guys try to chase more elevation sometimes they have to flatten out and find that middle ground yeah definitely I think you have to build your team and your offense to win games in multiple settings, right? We talked about the environment already. There are going to be days we're playing at different fields. The wind's blowing in and, you know, and we have some ways that we train where we do practice that, you know, for, for those specific circumstances. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think hitting the ball hard consistently is what wins. Um, trying to have a middle of the field approach, you know, and, and we, and that's what we talk about with our guys, which I'm sure Mams mentioned and your talk with him is like we want guys to hit the ball in the middle of the field and we hope they can catch it out in front on the upswing a little bit yep. and, and hit it to their pull side gap in the air because that is analytically that's where yep. the power numbers are. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we want on a more consistent basis. But, I mean, heck, like I said, the wind blows out to right field here on, on a lot of days and we have some righties that are good at letting the ball get yeah. deeper, still getting it elevated mm -hmm. to that side and, and hitting it out of the yard over the scoreboard the other way. So, um, you know, there's different ways you can train it. But... Yeah. I think if you can build your team to to win in any setting, mm -hmm. you know, then then you have a, a chance to be pretty good. Definitely, definitely. And I think that's that's awesome and, and again, that's what 
continuous growth, right? That's something that we heard Coach Mam speak passionately about with our sit down with him was emphasizing growth. And I think from a coaching standpoint, we, I mean, even us in life, we can kind of highlight that ability to continue to grow. So let's talk a little bit about the catchers and that experience. That's a position you played in college. So it's one that I know you've always been passionate about, but as you mentioned several times, being a head coach, you have to prioritize. And, you know, the position that has two or three, maybe four guys, if you're lucky, um, isn't exactly the 40 guys that are out on the field on a daily basis that you're trying to prep practice for. So what was it like getting back in the weeds with your position that you you love and are passionate about? And what were some of the things that you were able to to emphasize and highlight with those guys? Yeah, definitely. Well, it's such a unique position, right? Like you can't just take somebody and 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 put them behind the plate like you can mm-hmm. in left field or in some other spots, you know, maybe on the field. So it's a specialized position where, you know, a guy has to want to do it. A guy has to want to be good at it. It, uh, generally speaking, as a catcher, you're going to lose swings in practice. You're yeah. catching a lot of bullpens. Like it's a different animal than being an infielder, or being an outfielder. So, um, you know, I think embracing having our guys embrace that part of it, you know, is super important. I think, you know, kind of the in vogue thing right now with catchers is receiving and receiving mm-hmm. metrics, mm-hmm. and 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 I think it's been proven out that the more balls you can turn into strikes, the the better chance you have to win. And so that's where a lot of our focus was, um, you know, throughout the fall. You know, we our guys did a really good job of uh, uh, in early work and and pre inter squad and things like that. And you know, I was able to turn around some evaluations of them uh, off a of video. You know, after each inter squad, and we had kind of had a grading system on receiving and blocking and throwing. And and I think they appreciated. Uh, you know, listen, anything you measure, you're going to master type of thing. And, you know, so we ranked them each week and we watched some video together and guys really started to uh, to buy into some certain areas of, of where they can get better receiving. And, mm-hmm. you know, I told them when I first started working with them, like you can have good, good pitching and bad catching. And if you have that, you have bad pitching, yeah. you know, and you can have average pitching and great catching. And if you have that, you're going to have good pitching. Like that's where we want to be a, a net positive behind the plate for our pitchers. Um, I think sometimes catchers can fall into the trap of, you know, uh, measuring their game only by their bat, you know, and and they have such an impact on a pitch-to-pitch basis on winning and losing as a defender. Um, And I think our guys, you know, the four guys that I worked with this fall did a really good job buying into that, and we saw some growth. Yeah, and and definitely. And one of the things that I think is really cool about being able to work with a position group is, you know, how many catchers do you guys have on the four right now? Four. So how nice has it been to be able to just sit down and crunch video with a guy and not have to worry about taking care of 40 guys and just being able to build a relationship with one? And how much progress has that have you felt that's been able to accelerate because you're not worried about building an offense around 19 guys? It's Hey, how can we get the our four guys to be the best catchers they can be? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been – it was really eye-opening, you know, for the fall with the smaller roster and, and me working with sort of a drilled-down subsection of our of our roster, um, how quickly development can happen when you can pay attention to the details, can show guys areas that they're doing – you know, that of what they're doing well, because I think that's important. Guys need to see them themselves playing well because that, that builds confidence. And then taking a look at some deficiencies and, and then making a plan for attacking those things, right? Just to have the time – to be able to put that stuff together and then go out and execute it and watch guys, you know, get better and grow in the process. Like that's the rewarding part as a coach. And hopefully we can carry that into the spring and across the whole roster, but especially with our catching core, which I, which I'm confident we can. I mean, we have a really good group of four guys confident to have any of the four of them back there right now, which I think says a lot. Our pitchers, um, you know, I think are comfortable with all four guys back there. So we're in a good spot. 
That's awesome. And, and it's such a big piece about catching is also obviously controlling the pitching staff and handling the pitching staff. And I know one of your major responsibilities is going to be scouting and doing scouting reports and some of the things like that. So obviously it was a fall. You probably, how many games were you able to get this fall? I'm going to say we played like 11 or so inner okay. squads and yep. then two outside competitions, something like that. So it's not the full 50-game shebang that you're going to be in for um, in the regular season, but it is something that obviously being able to put together some scouting reports. What are some of the things that um, Coach Mams and Coach Kalina are want to see in the scouting reports so that they're able to build the game plan around, and, and what are the things that you like to highlight um, when you put those together? Yeah, it's kind of a collaborative effort, which uh, which is a lot of what we do here with our staff at Delaware, which I think is what makes us good is that, you know, we're, we're using everybody's expertise. So when we put together a scouting report, um, you know, Mams is focused ma- as the hitting coach is focused mainly on the opposing pitchers. Casey is focused most, mostly on the opposing hitters. And then uh, myself and, and Chris Ludman, we're focused a little bit more on the defensive positioning. So um, there's a lot more video available at division one than, than there's been in the past in my career. So, you know, we're, we're going back through old video now, this time you're in the off season, you know, charting balls in play, um, making decisions on kind of where we're going to play our defense against certain hitters. And I think that boils down to, there's only so much you can control in this game, right? So one of the things as a coach that I do feel passionately about is one of the biggest things you can control on defense is where you're positioned. And I think that goes over, that can go overlooked at times. Um, but if you pay attention, if you do enough preparation, um, I think we would see that at Arcadia, we would oftentimes be in better spots than other teams and be mm-hmm. able to make plays that, that other teams couldn't get to. And so that's going to be my main focus um, throughout the year is, is just making sure our defense is in the, is in the best spot possible. Certainly, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't yeah. predict the future. Uh-huh. I guarantee you I'm going to move a guy two steps yeah. to his right, and the guy's going to hit the ball right where he was uh-huh. a pitch before, but that's part of being uh, that's part of doing this. So, um, you know, it'll be a collaborative effort to get the whole scout ready and, and, and relay that to the guys, but yeah. it should be fun. One of the funnest things sitting next to you when we were in the dugout together when it came to defensive positioning was your creativity for lack of a better term and and I think some people don't really think about baseball especially defensive positioning as being creative right but we saw the Blue Jays went four-man outfield several times throughout the major league season you went four-man outfield and what I want to say I'm just throwing a guess here 2012 was the first time you probably <laughs> ran a four-man outfield yeah, something um, like that yeah it was a it was a really long time ago and that's something that you were you know you not only factored in the mental aspect the physical aspect but you really factored in the mental aspect of exposing a hitter to a four-man outfield and you know what kind of goes into that creativity of being able to you know trust your gut trust what you're seeing now that you have more information and reports but also obviously you're not the one calling the shots necessarily I'm sure you're going to get a lot of creative freedom with that Um, but coach what is coach Mams looking for in terms of like the creativity side of it is is that something that like hey like let's go for outfielders because this guy is you know 50 percent in the air and and really doesn't hit ground balls to second base you know ever he has one hit on the year there and let's take our chances with that yeah no i think listen mams is on the side of the fence if it's going to help us win ball games and yeah. then he'll be open to it um you know i don't know how often we'll do that necessarily that type of for you know defensive outfield formation here certainly it's worked a little bit in the past and yeah that's what we look for especially you know right hand hitter that never hits a ground ball to the right side it's it has good power numbers hits a lot of balls in the air why are we going to play a guy somewhere where they never hit the baseball too so um and i do think there's a little bit of a mental factor when a guy gets in the box and looks up and sees a big hole where the second baseman should be playing and four guys in the outfield where 
they're used to uh, finding a lot of their hits. And um, what I found is a lot of times guys will change their swing and try to do something they're not capable of. They'll try to bunt for a hit. And yeah. all that stuff to me was a win Success, yeah. when you're, when you're talking about trying to take somebody's best hitter out of his, out of his game a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, we, we will shift, we will yeah. move some guys around. So, um, I don't know if we'll go that extreme, but time will tell. Uh, my guess is if I put my fingerprints on it at some point, it could happen, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, is it a breath of fresh air to see kind of the reports? Cause really, I mean, especially probably the first time you went four man outfield, it was all gut halt. Like I'm guessing it was <laughs> lack of information in terms of you know, having the spray charts, is it comforting for, you know, you to be able to have that concrete information of like, and you know, again, if, if the guy does what you don't expect them to do, sometimes you got to tip your cap and, and give them the benefit of the doubt. But the reality is, is that, you know, most times they don't. Right. Yeah. No, I think I, having the information is certainly helpful. And, and I think baseball anymore, you know, even at the big league level, like, not that you can play out the entire game before it happens, but mm-hmm. there's you so much information to make decisions prior to the game even starting to be able to put your team in the best position to win. Um, you know, and kind of at each level that you go up, there's more information that, you know, that you can get. We're going to have TrackMan this January going in, and, like, we're going to be able to get more information off of that, um, you know, even at other ballparks because we'll have access to all the TrackMan data now. So, like, we'll have more information to make more informed decisions prior to playing um, that's the analytics part. Mm-hmm. You know, the analytics part comes yeah. into play on game day when, you know, hey, this might be what the numbers show, but at least today against Tyler August, who's throwing 97 miles an hour, mm-hmm. he's not as pullish on the ground as he might yeah. be against the guy that throws 90-91. Maybe we're not going to shift as far mm-hmm. over, things like that, where it takes a trained eye to kind of look at that and make some of those adjustments. So, 100% balances everything, and, and I think that's in, in coaching in general. And obviously, like like I've said multiple times, we've been able to sit down with Coach Mams, and obviously you've been helping out on the offensive side. And one of kind of the cores of, I guess, would probably be your career at this point is base running, right? Being aggressive on the base pass, a lot of stolen bases. And the most fun offenses to watch are the ones that hit a lot of home runs and steal a lot of bases. That kind of is what gets people, gets butts in the seats and eyes on the TV. What are you hoping to bring in a base running element of being able to combine what is, you know, Coach Mams' expertise and then being able to push the nozzle? I know we used to talk about, hey, every guy has to find a way to second base, right? And, you know, as we look at data across levels of baseball, the more you get to second base, the earlier you get to second base, the more runs you score. And it doesn't always have to be with a double if you have guys that can take advantage of some certain things. So what are you hoping to bring in in a base running element to this offense? Yeah, I think. It's going to be some advantages at the margins, hopefully. Like, I, Mams does a great job. He he took on the base running this uh, this fall. He has a, a really good philosophy there um, and does a great job teaching it, and we work on it, and um, we do want it to be a bigger part of our game going forward. I think there will be some, hopefully, some things on pitchers that, that I might be able to pick up as the first base coach, things like that, where I don't know that we're going to go from a 75 stolen base team to 150 stolen base team, but if we can get an extra 90 you know, a couple times a year, this year, situation as spot, well, yep. you know, and, and help us win a close game. I think that is where hopefully, you know, I can step in and, and maybe be able to help us, um, you know, in that area a little bit more. Um, I don't think we're going to be built around it like some of the teams I've coached in the past. Yeah. We're going to be built a little bit more around the power piece, and that's fine. I've always said it's a lot easier to score runs when you can hit the ball over the fence mm-hmm. rather than have to scoot around the bases and, and, and try to do it with a bunch of singles or walks or things like that. But um, if we can get a, take advantage of a free 90 when it's there, that's what we have to be able to do. 
So what you're telling me is you're not going to fill out the co- first base coach's box the same way Keith Curley fills out the first base <laughs> coach's box, right? I'll spare the I'll spare the backside ground balls listeners on a Keith Curley rant right now, but yes. <laughs> the BP top, you know, for all the listeners that know Keith Curley, he always asked for it two sizes smaller than what he actually would fit in. That's why it looked so big or so small on him. So um, that's a little inside baseball behind the Arcadia uniform distribution <laughs> there. Um, but let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Obviously, that's a huge piece of, of your role here. And obviously, we've talked with Coach Mams about his vision for the program and and, you know, with all of us here, you know, Michael, Dan and I being local guys, we're pretty passionate about the success of Delaware baseball and, and obviously building it to what everybody locally envisions it can be. You know, what's what's the recruiting fo- philosophy for you? And, and kind of almost like if I'm sitting here as a high school recruit and what should people know about Delaware baseball and the future of Delaware baseball as as you are trying to pitch to a high school junior per se? Yeah, I think, you know, number one is you know, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, you know, the University of Delaware and the education and the baseball experience here, I think is going to be unique, you know, from this point going forward with the change to Conference USA, um, with MAMS's vision for where things are headed. Um, I think there's a lot of of positive energy surrounding the program right now. Um, You know, the Conference USA shift, I think, does a lot for us regionally. It sets us apart from a lot of the other mid-majors that are playing more um, of a regionalized schedule, this part of the country, you know, we're going South consistently now, you know, starting in 20, not now, but starting in 2025, 2026. And uh, I think for players in this area, we hear it all the time. They want to go South. They want to go play down South. They want to play where the warm weather is. Well, Delaware is going to be the most Northern point of the conference, you know, at that point. So every conference game we play and presumably non-conference too, because there's no reason for us to go North at that point you know, we'll be in the warmer weather. So I think that's a big piece of it. Um, you know, I think we didn't come here to be a 500 program and, and just sneak into the conference tournament. Like we want to start to make noise and, and put together seasons where we can play in the NCAA tournament and play in regionals. And, and I think the, the conference has a lot to do with that as well. It's not a one bid league, meaning that, you know, you're not, your only shot in isn't just to win the conference tournament. Yeah. You can, if you put together a good resume throughout mm-hmm. the course of, um, the season, you have a chance to go play in a regional as a, you know, a second, third, fourth team in the in Conference USA and in the CAA, honestly, right now. So, um, you know, postseason baseball certainly a possibility. I think facilities here are a big draw for a recruit right now. Um, you know, Bob Hanna Stadium is a great place to call home. Brand new turf, going to be brand new padding around the around the stadium here pretty shortly. Trackman, um, you know, play at night when the weather gets better here late in the season. Um, just the, the support from the university, you guys will see the Whitney Center today in the weight mm-hmm. room and some of the places that our guys have to develop, I think, um, are all positive selling points, you know, for a recruit. Um, and then just being here a few months and just seeing the positive experience that our players have, probably the hardest part to show in recruiting because guys are here such a short time for visits where hopefully it's a day we're practicing or hopefully it's a day we have a lift where, where a recruit could come in and see sort of like the action of the program because we can always tell I can sit here and tell you I'm blue in the face how great it is but I think the overall experience for for somebody that wants to get a great education play high level division one baseball maybe have a chance to get drafted and just overall enjoy themselves through their four years of college baseball um, I think this is a great place for somebody that that wants to match up all those pieces and one of the best educational higher education um, universities in 
the area and the country, quite Absolutely. frankly, with, with phenomenal programs across undergraduate and graduate programs as well. So I'll ask you this question. I, I asked Coach Mam. so first five weekends of the conference series, do you want to go south or do you want teams from the south to come north? What's your preference in, uh, for you personally? Interesting. Um, I want them to come up here and play in the cold. There you go. I think that would be advantageous for us. Okay. You know, yeah. so. So that that's a good one there. And obviously we've got a, a ton more today. Um, we're going to check out the facilities, but I'm sure anybody who listened to this, this is not the last time Coach Torsani is going to be on the podcast. I think I'd guarantee that. Um, so we, we got in the weeds a little bit about the transition to the University of Delaware and, and his role, but we're super excited to get a tour of the facilities, to get to walk around. You guys Thank you, yeah, as absolutely. always, for Looking welcoming us it. in, opening the door for us, um, and being able to get behind the scenes with it. I know I speak for everybody who's going to listen to this, as well as all of us here today, that Delaware is in great hands um, from speaking with you guys and understanding what your vision is for the future, that I believe that the, the hands of Delaware baseball are going to be much more positive in the future, and there are going to be way less 500 seasons moving forward and, and a lot more conference championships. So I think I speak for everybody there. Appreciate that. Of Go course. Hands. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you to our listeners. That will conclude the episode for today.